You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back on the Oz Network to week number two of our Disney live action uh, three weeks and followed by Disney animated one week, followed by The Lion King eventually coming out. And this is a month we're quickly uh, coming to regret (laughs) agreeing to do. As we're here to talk about the biggest live-action hit Disney ever had and one of the biggest hits Disney ever had, 2017's almost shot-for-shot remake of 1991's Academy Award-nominated Best Picture, Beauty and the Beast. And as I mentioned last week, um, my exposure to this was only 20 minutes to the original movie where I gave up and figured, "Ah, I'll watch this some other time. It's pretty much exactly the same as the animated movie. Little did I know the next hour and 30 minutes, 40 minutes, would be exactly the same as the animated movie. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, congratulations me for picking this one. But good news is we're going to set a world record recapping it here today. Uh, so let's uh, almost get into it here. My name is Colin. That's C O L. I think there's another L, and I just realized I'm illiterate and have never had to spell it out before. <laughs> and my name is Ben. And when I enter a room, laughter dies. <laughs> True story, by the way. <laughs> that, that wasn't a quote. I just um, always wanted to say that. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to start off by saying I'm not going to just dump on this movie like Maleficent. Maleficent was a downright awful movie. Um, this, I think, is pretty much summed up. But like I said, it is exactly the same as the animated movie. Now, just going back to tell history, as I've already said, I had no history prior to watching this all the way through now. Uh, my history with Beauty and the Beast was, I guess, started uh, before the animated movie came out. When I was a kid, I remember there was the... Uh, TV series, the live-action TV series, which was more of like a, I guess, mystery drama series with Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman, who'd later go on to become Hellboy, uh, playing the Beast. And I remember my mom really loved that show. And I probably saw it more as it got into reruns later on. But I knew what Beauty and the Beast was then when the animated movie came out. And I actually really loved the animated movie when I was a kid. And I remember as an adult, uh, one time my brother and I decided, let's rent a Disney movie. And we got Beauty and the Beast. And we're like, man, this is a really good movie. I could see why this got nominated for Best Picture. This one here, um, a lot of things don't translate well to live action. A lot of things are handled wrong. And uh, we have the brilliant choice of director to thank for that. Bill Condon, who was coming off of unprecedented success by directing the final two twilight movies which explains a lot of what's wrong with this movie uh ben do you have any exposure to linda hamilton ron perlman or the animated movie i just saw him that he directed dream girls for a moment there i thought he directed Showgirls, and i thought well that would have <laughs> made sense um i would have seen the animated movie at some point growing up i couldn't tell you when or where i couldn't tell you much memories of it uh, I had a sister who watched them all the time, and for some reason I always watched them with her, even though I wasn't really a fan of them. Uh, I'd never seen this one. I had no desire to see this one. I just I just still do not understand why Disney does this, um, and particularly when it does turn out to be exactly the same as the animated version. It's, it's literally like if Jesus came back with the Bible and said, hey, here's the Bible. Uh, it's got pictures in it this time, though. Like, oh, what's different about it? Well, it's just got pictures in it. Well, why should we buy it? Because you love me and you love the Bible. Okay, I'll buy it. 
that's that's literally all Disney do here, and people fall for it. So, yeah, Disney is stupid for doing this, but at the same time, every single one of you listening to this who bought a ticket to see this movie are stupid for falling it for it too, because this <laughs> is the same thing you saw in 1991. It's just got Emma mm-hmm. Watson and the guy who is... Um, uh, the Beast, who I don't know. Animated? Animated. Well, the new one has... Um, <laughs> I don't know if Emma Watson was even born in 1991, was she? Anyway, um, <laughs> the point is, I love you, Colin, for choosing this month. What a great month this is going to be. <laughs> uh, can't wait for at least two weeks' time when we get to do a good film in The Lion King. Which, sadly, uh, I chose this one thinking, well, this would be the more relevant one to cover because <laughs> it was the biggest hit uh, and I'm regretting that because I actually enjoyed The Jungle Book, which we'll get to next week, or some of us will. <laughs> um, but just quickly before we get into the movie, just going back as we were talking about Maleficent last week. I mean, Maleficent really, as we said, the uh, Alice in Wonderland movie had come out first, but really wasn't a remake in any way. And the uh, Maleficent sort of jump-started the Disney saying, let's at least once a year put out these live-action a- updates you know, Maleficent was not really that well received, but made a ton of money. And maybe it was because they changed too much about the original story. They had Cinderella next, which changed little bits. And I think for the most part, even though it's not really my thing, translated much better as a live action movie. And maybe just moving away from both of those are like, well, let's just make the exact same movie. Uh, and then you see what happened with the Jungle Book. It was the exact opposite. I don't know. Did Jungle Book come first or did Beauty and the Beast come Jungle first? Jungle Book came first. I don't know. It was a year before Jungle Book. 2016 Jungle Book was. Okay. So this making all the money did, I remember, as I mentioned last week, that when this came out, it was like every girl on the planet who was under the age of, you know, 40, let's say, was like, we have to go see this the way that we would be if a James Bond movie or a Star Wars movie or an Avengers movie came out. And that's where I think all the girls came from. Because if you look at, like, the audience response, it's it's all very polite. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever met a person who said it was bad. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned last week. When I started watching this, you know, with Jamie, I got 20 minutes in and then just said, well, it's the same movie. I'll catch it some other time. And I thought Jamie had watched the whole thing and just never cared to watch it again. So as I'm watching this, she's like, do you want me to watch it with you? I'm like, well, no, you're not doing the episode. And you've seen it before. She goes, no, I haven't. And I'm reminding her. I'm like, yeah, we watched it. Remember, I gave up 20 minutes in. She goes, oh, yeah, I got two thirds of the way through the movie and I turned it off. I'm like. (laughs) Why? Because I'm thinking, okay, well, is do, do I have really a lot of bad stuff to look forward to here? She goes, no, it was just two-thirds of the way in. I'm like, this is the exact same movie as the animated, and I just figured I wouldn't bother to finish it. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that's the general consensus here, uh, and I've got a whole lot of reasons why it won't work, and none of them are going to take longer than an hour. So should we just get into it? I think we should. And I'll just start off by saying uh, maybe my negativity sounds like I'm going to shit all over this movie. Again, I didn't hate this movie. I'm probably similar vein mm-hmm. as you and everybody else. It's like I didn't w- stop watching this going, oh, God, that was terrible. Like, it's just it's just there. It just exists. What's the point? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the uh, Manitoba of Disney movies. It's, it's just there. You know? <laughs> like, you know it's there. You, you appreciate that it exists, but will you ever revisit it? No. Probably not. No. Unless you live here. Yeah, true. Like the teacups. Yeah. <laughs> um, we live here. What's your excuse? Ha ha ha, Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple things to start off with. I mean, the movie the prologue here is the narrator, who I'm not sure who it is, setting up the story about this prince who just like in maleficent they go out of their way to tell you how terrible a person is without ever showing you anything and the movie seems to go contrary to that because they're talking about this prince who was selfish and unkind and then the very next words out of their mouth are so he threw free parties for everybody 
like, how is this guy selfish and unkind? He's throwing like this incredible party that costs probably dozens and dozens of dollars back in the day, but the equivalent <laughs> of thousands of dollars today. Oh, but he's selfish. This whole party is for everybody else, so I don't buy that he's selfish. And in the middle of a party, a crazy, haggard, and dirty hobo lady <laughs> wanders in the front door, and he tries kicking her out. Now, I'm sorry. If a dirty, haggard, crazy hobo lady walks in my front door and asks for anything, I'm going to say I'm calling the cops. Please get out of here. Okay? So I still don't buy he's selfish and unkind here. And this crazy witch decides to curse him. Uh, with being an ugly beast because he didn't look on the inside because she transformed herself into some magnificent creature, which she may or may not have just been transformed herself in that to make a point. I think she's the real villain of the story. We always got to pick up who the real villain of the story is. So let's get this one out of the way. Uh, he goes from being this charming, um, even if he is selfish, handsome, sexy young prince to being something that looks coarse and rough and irritating, that's hair gets everywhere, <laughs> he's transformed into the beast. And uh, along with this, apparently somewhere off camera, all of his servants that also did nothing wrong are doomed to spend eternity as teacups, clocks, and brooms. <laughs> so, like, this is where I'm going with this. This witch is the evil one of the movie because even if he was a terrible person... His servants aren't, and they're cursed with the same thing, except he can at least move and eat and pee, and they're stuck as porcelain. <laughs> like, they're the real victims here. Um, so the opening sequence is over. We cut into the opening song, which is exactly the same opening song from the animated movie of Belle wandering around. And uh, I wish I could hum it right now. It'll, it would come back to me if I heard it. But it is a very – like, the songs are good. It's just you've heard them all before. But seeing as the original animated movie is maybe 90 minutes and this is two hours and nine minutes, just like every scene in this movie, the songs are about twice the length for no reason whatsoever. So we get 16 verses of this song instead of the regular three. And we get a couple of uh, things in here with uh, Luke Evans, who is a great addition. I know Jamie's a fan of Luke Evans. Um, he had a flop in Dracula Untold that I think Jamie watches just because of him. And he also played the... Viggo Mortensen character of Peter Jackson's second Hobbit trilogy, uh, the Hobbit movies, and he actually was pretty good in those. So I don't mind Luke Evans. Are you familiar with Luke Evans or a fan of his? No, the whole time I'm going, oh, this guy looks so familiar. I know him from something. So I've gone on to like IMDb, looked, and gone, no, I've not seen him anything. And then it finally clicked that he's a spitting image of a former Formula One driver. So that's to me where I thought I knew him from. I was like, oh, that's where that Formula One driver made it to. He turned into an actor, but no. Sorry, that was my mistake. It was the Formula One guy that played Dracula. In of Dracula course, Untold. yes, yes. No, I thought so. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he's playing Gaston, who's the villain. And even though I like Luke Evans, I actually do like him in here. Just like everything else in this movie, it's just there's something flat about the depiction. Because I remember loving the Gaston character in the animated series. And he's more over the top, um, obviously more cartoony. But there's just there's nothing menacing about Gaston here. And there's also nothing really funny about him either. Uh, as he's talking to Belle and she uses the phrase je ne sais quoi to him, uh, I really had to scratch my head as he says, I don't know what that means, yet this is supposed to take place in France! <laughs> and I get that it is translated to English, but there brings me to another complaint I have. I'm going to get a lot of the rants out of the way now because I'm going to breeze through some of the stuff later on. Um, why is it that Tom Cruise gets criticized for doing a movie like Valkyrie and not doing a German accent? And yet Disney has a movie here that takes place in France and 
everybody's favorite Emma Watson does nothing different with her accent <laughs> and nobody criticizes her or anybody else in this movie because she's female it's just it there you go and <laughs> leading me to my third rant or fourth I've lost count at this point uh, I hate when movies throw in something that's very political and timely that maybe doesn't belong in the time period uh, like the comments the, the, the comments about uh, I guess her being the bookworm and that's kind of her thing she loves books which of course is gonna be relevant in one scene later on so why not drive it home now and uh because she loves book you have to have gaston or i can't remember if it was gaston but i think it was one of the other townspeople uh kind of looking down at a woman reading books women don't belong you know uh as readers in society except for in this time period women were writing half the novels out there <laughs> Like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? I don't know, Jane Austen, anybody? Well, this is France, Colin. Yeah. Like, the women were different. Oh, it was, yeah. They were really oppressive there. <laughs> uh, of course, this is a movie where they have to address that. And if you want to address that, fine. But then don't throw other things out there, like have a gay character that nobody feels needs to be called out, or an interracial romance at the end of the movie that nobody bats an eye at. I'm sorry, if you're going to be looking down on women in whatever this is supposed to be, the 1800s for reading, don't you think you'd at least get a double take if you have a white man and a black woman sucking face at the end of a movie? Like, it's just, I I just don't like, if you're going to go out of your way to be political and timely and try to look down, look at how dumb the people in the time period were, and then pretend like other things didn't exist. Like, either do one or the other. Just don't address it at all. It's just, this is a Disney movie. Um... <laughs> Anyways, uh, we see Kevin Klein as Bell's dad, and it's great to see Kevin Klein here. Even though I had seen this first 20 minutes, I must have not paid attention and not realized Kevin Klein was in here. I love Kevin Klein. I'd love to do Wild Wild West one day because oh, I think that he yes. helps make a very okay movie into a great movie oh, just because of how great movie. he is. Oh, it's so good. Way better than Beauty and the Beast. Such an um, underrated movie. Stop shooting on Wild Wild West, is. people. It's such an underrated movie. I know it's going to be coming soon one of these days. Um so the, the dad gets lost going out looking for a rose because that's all Bell wants. Um, he nearly wrestles a wolf, which that would have made a great movie. <laughs> Kevin Klein wrestling wolves. Uh, he gets taken into the house. Um, Bell eventually comes to the rescue after the horse comes running home. And uh, we're 30 minutes into the movie now. This is approximately 10 minutes of screen time in the animated movie. And... Uh, I'm not just dumping on the movie. It's just it's it feels like they're stretching everything out longer than it needs to be. Um, she gets locked up in the place of her father, uh, kind of willingly. A talking candlestick and clock let her out, uh, but they're told don't go into the West Wing. And even right here, they're saying the Beast isn't so bad, but yet the audience has been told he's this terrible person and he hasn't shown any change. Um, uh, do I even want to talk about anything else here? Uh, no, I'll, I'll accept. I just want to comment before we get into um, uh, the stuff that's going to come up later on. Uh, as Gaston gets fondled, we'll get that in a second. Uh, just this whole opening here that not only is this the same movie, but I feel like this is where it doesn't translate well to live action because everything just looks bland and dull in this movie. And coming off of Cinderella, which I think was very bright, very colorful, Jungle Book, very bright, very colorful, they went back to what they did wrong with Maleficent, which has filmed so many things in, like, these dark rooms, and it's not even lit for an audience, like, to the, to the point where you can see anything. And then just the animation on all the, the characters, like the clock and the candlestick and the teacup and everything, 
it just it looks so lifeless that I wish they had gone a little bit bigger and made it more animated or at least given it some character. But it's like they went so literal with, okay, if a candlestick really was able to talk, <laughs> this is the limited movement its mouth would have. And it just it doesn't work well for a character at all. It doesn't look good and it doesn't give you any type of life to the character. You know visually what it reminds me of, and these are really weird comparison. You know in the first Tomb Raider movie when she's battling that um that statue thing that has like the big the forearms that she's like running out <clears> of the thing and it has that little bit that moment where it smiles at um Lara mm-hmm. Croft just as she, it reminds me of that. And we talked yeah. about how visually, you know, Tomb Raider wasn't exactly a movie that holds up very well after these years, but um that's kind of what it reminds me of. And yeah, I didn't really... That's a good point you make about the darkness of it. I was going to say, visually, I think a lot of this film actually does look really good. Like, And costume-wise, and kind of just the way, like, the opening uh, sequence when you've got everyone in their costumes, and just it looks great how they've, they've filmed a lot of this. But um, yeah, it is kind of very dark and everything. I, I had to turn to Mallory at one point, because I didn't understand. Actually, I'll get to that in a minute, because the opening bit... Yeah, like, I'm with you. Like, this this woman, who the hobo who shows up, like, she's, like, this is like if somebody comes into your house and, like, just is, like, one of those charity people who have, like, have you accepted Jesus mm-hmm. into your life? And they just, they walk in. Like, they don't even, like, knock on the door. They just walk yeah, in. exactly. Excuse me, what are you doing? Oh, I'm here to see if you want to accept Jesus in your life. No, I don't. Go away. What is wrong with you not accepting Jesus? You are cursed. <laughs> it's just, it's odd. This guy is throwing parties for the entire town at the end when they all get turned back. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They're all happy to see him. It's not like they're like, well, have yeah. you learnt your lesson? You were a prick. Uh, you threw us all those parties. Like, you evil bastard. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that's kind of odd. But, yeah, the, I had to tell when Belle's singing and it's all like, oh, I'm so oppressed because I'm a woman who reads. Um... I was like, why are these, like, what's the issue here? And Mallory's like, oh, well, they're all looking down on her because she's a nerd or something like that. And I'm like, why? Like, what's the problem here? Like, I I feel it's not even explained. I don't understand why this entire town is against this girl who's quite attractive, who's just smart, and walks out. And is that meant to be the commentary? Like, oh, girls can't be smart and pretty at the same time in 1800s France. I think this whole town is just a bunch of idiots. Like, they're, they're the ones who deserve to be turned into beasts if they're just this, yeah. you know, stupid. Um, yeah, and I love the fact that this town is called Villeneuve, Villeneuve which um, your uh, only Formula One world champion, uh, son of the legendary Gilles Villeneuve, Jacques Villeneuve, so that's a very famous French-Canadian name. Um, there's I know of him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. You're the guy who looks like Luke Evans, right? <laughs> no, not that one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, and it's odd. And at the same time, like, here is here's poor old Belle, like, oh, I'm so alone because I read books. And she's got one guy who's after her. Like, why is she such a bitch yeah. to him? Like, at the, at the <laughs> beginning of this film, he's sort of being nice. He's just kind of like, hey, like, you know, let's let's go out. And she's just sort of like, No! <laughs> Like, well... And is the beast any better to her? Exactly. Exactly. The thing that I don't get about this whole film is that, what, the whole message is meant to be it's all about inner beauty. Like, that's what you're meant to fall in love with. I'm sorry. This movie does a terrible job at showing that because at the end, he turns out to be hot, so two hot people get their rocks off at the end. There's no (laughs) message in there. Shrek does it better. 
because Fiona <laughs> turns in is an ogre. So they end up being mm-hmm. ugly together. It's still about inner beauty. Shrek does it better. Start that as a hashtag. Um, and can I also just put out there that Linda Hamilton fell in love with Ron Perlman in make monster makeup. And even if he did come out of his monster makeup, he still looks like a beast and she would still love that yeah. man. <laughs> it's kind of like how Lou Ferrigno still looked like the Hulk when he wasn't green. Like it's, <laughs> it's very good casting uh, that they do mm-hmm. in those the olden days. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Kevin Klein is amazing. He should be in more things. Um, and yeah, I don't get this whole thing of him going off and, oh, there's wolves and, oh, I've been kidnapped. And is this the smartest horse in the world that it just, it runs all the way back? (laughs) 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 What's that horse? Dad's been kidnapped. This is like, um, on Toy Story 2 when they're doing Woody's Roundup and it's like, what's that, Chip? The horse fell off the cliff and all the animals are down to be bad and well. We're going to go rescue them. All (laughs) righty. <laughs> Where's Dad Horsey? <laughs> and it's just it's just ridiculous. Um but I don't even know what else I really want to add. Yeah, the French thing is just odd because Mallory kept saying to me like, this is set in France. And I'm like, well, they're all freaking English. Kevin Klein's speaking yeah. an American accent. Well, I think he is. <laughs> The whole time we're trying to work out, is he doing a British accent or is he just speaking normally? Because that sort of sounded British, but now he's sounding American. I don't understand what's going on. This is like the most British-American part of France in 18-whatever-year this was set in. Um, And the songs just annoy me. This is why I don't watch Disney movies. Like, I'm not a huge musical person, and I don't know. Like, in this day and age where realism is meant to be the thing in movies... I just like to watch these sort of things and think, like, in what world do people just break out into song and this is just accepted <laughs> and everybody knows the words and everybody knows the dance moves and it's just... I, I don't know if I do or don't want to live in a world where this happens, where, like, you're just walking down the street, you bump it, and it's like, that's okay, stranger! And then it just breaks down <laughs> into this musical number in the street. Like, this must cause disruptions. What if you're, like, in the middle of a plane taking off or something like that? We're taking off, we're taking... Uh, you know, your flight 213, can you stop singing? We're taking off, we're taking... <laughs> boom! Uh, <laughs> or could this movie have just committed more and, like, just had everything sung, like... Crazy hobo lady, get out of my house! <laughs> um, I do like the fact that all these, you know, poor old cursed villagers who will become furniture. And who is this witch to, like, turn them into furniture? Like, what? who is she? What a weird thing yeah. to do. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I appreciate the who fact... Who does that? <laughs> who does that? Evil! <laughs> um, Ewan McGregor, uh, Ian McKellen, Emma Thompson... I mean, you know, we criticise Patrick Stewart for being a poo emoji, um, which we still will. But, like, does Ian McKellen go, oh, yes, I've always wanted to play a clock. Uh, (laughs) Let me see. I've done Wizard, (laughs) Mutant, uh, famous director of Frankenstein. Clock is the only thing left on this list. Does you and McGregor get to go, oh, I'm so sick of being typecast and like everyone just thinks I'm Obi-Wan. I'm so sick of being asked about that Dan spin-off movie. I know, I'm going to play a candlestick. Uh, <laughs> and Emma Thompson, the esteemed Emma Thompson. I know, I'm going to play a teapot. Uh, <laughs> just why not? 
Um, I don't know if we're up to the bit where she's been kidnapped, but yeah, like she, yeah, she's all up against Thingo, Formula One driver Jolyon Palmer. That's what I'm going to call him. Like, <laughs> oh no, don't come to me! But oh, I'm going to rescue my dad and be kidnapped. And this is where, like, it's one of these odd films where. You know, everyone's always reading into messages in movies now in today's society. We talked about Maleficent last week. They're like, oh, her getting her wings removed is signifying rape. Like, she's <laughs> being held against her will captive by an overbearing male figure. Like, how is this not a social commentary on <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome? And, like, <laughs> yeah, like the, she's kidnapped and falls in love with this guy. Electric King got ridiculed in the world is not enough for this. Okay? Like, oh no, she's the villain of the world is not enough because she fell in love with Renard. Oh no. But Belle does it. Oh, I never it's so thought romantic. That. <laughs> yeah, this this entire thing is Stockholm syndrome. I've never thought of that. I would I want to see this remade again now, just so that Kevin Klein stays in that cage and it's kinda of like in and out and then he falls in love with the beast. Come on now, be progressive. <laughs> You know, Josh Gad, oh, he's got a, he cuddles a man at the end. Oh, Disney's first gay character. Oh, it's forward thinking, Disney. No, I want to see Kevin Klein dancing with the beast. Beauty and the beast. That's what I want to see. We need Luke Evans and Kevin Klein to get it on in a Disney movie. That's all we ask for, Disney. Yes, come on. Um,. Getting into the next sequence here. So this is the iconic Gaston song. Uh, <laughs> I say that because I, I can't remember. I, somebody was um, talking about Beauty and the Beast to me one time, and they were talking about, uh, oh, what's that song? It's like the Gaston song. And I couldn't remember. Now, again, having watched this movie, I'm like, oh, now I remember the song. But like It's like next to that Be My Guest song, it's the one iconic song from the, that movie. And I'm like, what about the theme song, Beauty and the Beast? And I'm like, no, 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 the Gaston song's bigger. I'm like, seriously? But it is a good song. Like, this is where I'll disagree with you. I feel like I, I really do like the music in here. And just a bit of history lesson, going back on the animateds, I mean, Disney had had music in movies before, obviously, like the Bare Necessities and uh, what's that Dumbo song that the mother sings to the baby? Don't uh, things like elephant. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have the Ele- Elephant Fly song, yeah. But... <laughs> What they did with the, when Disney kind of really hit a slump in the 70s and 80s, uh, they eventually just said, well, let's kind of revamp Disney movies. And this is where The Little Mermaid came in. They said, we're going to combine Disney animated things with Broadway musicals. And so they brought people on to basically do Broadway songs. And, you know, Beauty and the Beast was the second one after The Little Mermaid. And I feel like they do a really good job with the songs. And I like this. And I think that's the one thing that maybe does work not better in a live action movie but the fact that i'm keeping the songs i wish that they had maybe mixed it up not included every song from the original i mean when you get to the jungle book next week you know they find a way to work the bare necessities in there um maybe you didn't need to make it so literal but uh i i, th- I think the songs are good and this gaston song i will give credit now it's a decent song and this is one of the few sequences i actually really liked and Maybe it is because I kind of like the Gaston character. But I also got to say, I really love Josh Gad in this movie. Mm, And the criticism he received, um, and I'm not going to dump on the people who criticized because it clearly was made without having watched the movie. Because there is nothing clear about him being a gay character here. It's all implied, which I actually wish they had done with some of the other things, you know? Don't just have the interracial romance because it's not going to make sense. Just like the reason this works is because it wouldn't make sense. He's not going to be out there saying, I love you, Gaston. He goes... Oh, there, there. You'll find a lucky guy someday. It's like, no, he'd probably be thrown in prison at this point for saying that. <laughs> so let's bring some realism in here. 
but it's done so subtly where it's actually kind of just a joke and not joke as in making fun of him, but all the little things they do, like, um, where Gaston says, you know, how is it no girls ever snatch you up before? He's like, I've been told I'm clingy, but I don't really get it. <laughs> and then the way he's kind of fondling his earlobes or whatever. He's, he's very uh, close during... to Gaston in this movie. Like, he, he gets very yeah. close to him. But, but they're so gay say, together. Oh, I'm just putting it out there. But, uh, Gaston's just purely oh, going after Belle just to, you know, cover it up. Belle's his beard. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> But at the same time, let's go along with the same as last week. I wanted Gaston to just scream, no, you did not get consent to touch my earlobes. You did not get consent to fondle my neck flab or whatever. me too. Yeah. If we're going to be inclusive and modern, let's do it all around here. But it's a fun song, and especially like the opening line I had there where he goes, his name is G-A-S-T. Uh, I think there's another T. I just realized I'm illiterate and I've never had to spell it out before. <laughs> That's probably the one part that really gave me a big laugh. Um, and the dad eventually, uh, as Gaston, I don't know if he went out here uh, looking for Bell or something like that. And then the the dad finds him on his way back and Gaston just beats him up and leaves him for dead. Now, it's been a long time since seeing the animated movie. And as I was going through this, I'm like, this all seems very familiar to me. And this was the one thing where I'm like, I don't think that was in there. So I asked Jamie who knows the animated by heart. And she was saying that th- of everything I quizzed her on, this is the only thing I could pinpoint that is really even tweaked from the original of the entire movie. I'm talking like scene for scene, almost shot for shot in the original. The dad gets sick uh, or something like that. And uh, Gaston doesn't find him until he's already back. It's not like something where Gaston left him for dead. Uh, and when he does come back, he does have him committed to a, like a mental institution as opposed to just, you know, he's lying. We got to lock him up. Uh, so this beating him, leaving for dead. Uh, I don't really know if it even works in the movie, to be honest, because I don't understand his motivation. Um, but uh, from a, there, we have just to jump in there. What? It's like, well, it's odd. He, he wants Bill. And the only way to get to mm-hmm. Bill is through the dad. But oh, no, I'm going to leave you to dead. So he's so gay. With Josh yeah, Gale. exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I really want Bill. Oh, well, can't find it. See you. Off you go. Come on, Josh. Let's go. What's his name? Yeah. LeFou. LeFou is his name, Le- isn't he? Le- Le- Buffoon? LaFoon? No, the the Josh Gag character. Is it LeFou? Pepper Le Pew or something? LeFou? <laughs> We'd never know. They never say it in a French accent. <laughs> um, here we get, I guess, the big iconic song. I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this won the Oscar. It must have been nominated along with multiple songs. But the first moment where they suddenly jump to the beast not being a beast, and this is where I think the movie needed a little bit more of him being kind of a hardened character. He's just sort of rehearsing how to invite her for dinner. Join me for dinner? Will you join me for dinner? And she's still trying to escape. We have the teacups and all the servants in uh, uh, inanimate object form uh, doing the Be Our Guest song, which just like the movie all around just doesn't have the same pep. I mean... You must know the Be Our Guest song because yeah. uh, it was obviously done better in The Simpsons with the See My Vest, See My <laughs> Vest, made from real gorilla chests. <laughs> but everybody knows better. the song. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's still a decent song, but I, I got to be honest, I I could listen to, not being like a massive fan of Be The Beast, but really liking the movie and knowing a lot of the soundtrack – if you were to put on Be My Guest for Me from the animated one, I'd probably still listen to it today. It would be fun. 
I don't think I would ever go out of my way to listen to the music that's in this movie because it's just it's a step down all around. And even the sequence, this is where uh, while I agree with you, there are some that look very nice. I don't feel like any of the sequences involving the servant teacups and everything look nice because they're all just so stiff and I don't know. The animation just doesn't work in any way. Um, so also I, I did note here that the voices and this is going to sound terrible because, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of Ian McKellen and Ewan McGregor and Emma Thompson and a lot of the others, but I don't feel like these people really gave enough life to the character with their voices. I, I think that if an animated movie – and there was a different way of doing animation back then. In fact, I remember when Beauty and the Beast came out. In school, they were talking about this new movie, Beauty and the Beast, and what a big deal it was that Angela Lansbury, the woman from Murder, She Wrote, was doing a voice in it. Because now we live in a day and age when anytime you do an animated movie, even if it's a live-action animated movie like this, every character has to be a big star. And that didn't really start I, – I wouldn't even say Toy Story because Toy Story, they didn't use – all big stars, but kind of when Toy Story came in and they saw what the star power of having, we could put Tom Hanks and Tim Allen's names, you know, uh, on the poster or even just out promoting the movie and we get a lot more business. And now every movie is celebrities, but back in the original animation or pre Toy Story, it was just voice actors. And I feel like those people, they knew they had to give all the personality to a character, uh, because otherwise it's just, you know, um, 2d animation. And here, I wish that these people wouldn't play it like they were just doing a table reading, you know? Uh, I might be the only one who reads it, but I couldn't... It took me half of the movie to realize which character Ian McKellen played, even knowing he was in the movie. Well, I think it's... Um, I just interrupt. It's just, I think it's a, it's a good point. I remember uh, years ago, I interviewed John Bailey, who's the guy who does the voices on the Honest Trailers, and mm-hmm. he sort of was talking a lot about on that vein of how today it's all about celebrities kind of just using voices in movies like this. And he said that there is definitely an art to being a voice actor, which people don't appreciate. They think that any good old actor could do. And, you know, he sort of used those, you know, several examples. But I think kind of he said the real point, obviously, as well as well as Toy Story was, of course, Aladdin when they got Robin Williams in. And kind of yeah. the, the difference being is that Robin Williams was such an amazing actor that he could easily do that. Um, and then even like The Lion King, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, I think kind of did it well enough that it actually worked. And you it's got some pretty big mm-hmm. names doing voices in that movie. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting because there are definitely some animated movies out there which should work so much better. But don't, because, oh, let's put a celebrity on it, and they're good. But I, I don't know. Like, I think Ewan McGregor does an all right job. Ian McKellen, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting point. Like, I didn't think, I don't know if I really thought about it as much as you just pointed out there. Um, Belle eventually makes her way into the West Wing, and, which she's been forbidden to, and she finds the rose. And she meets the President um, of the United States. <laughs> I, I knew there would be some kind of West Wing joke. I thought it would be like Martin Sheen or something like that. <laughs> and Rob, <laughs> Rob Lowe comes a- in. There's Alice and Jenny. Oh, they're all back. It's a reunion we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Jeff Bartlett's there. <laughs> um, we get, I guess, the one action sequence or one or two action sequences here, which, again, I don't know if it was fully in the original, but we get the horse and wolf chase, uh, uh-huh. as, which, again, filmed so dark and so dreary that it just you, you can't follow what's going on. And I honestly believe between Maleficent and this – that this is Disney's way of keeping the budget down, where they're like, we don't have to worry about the flaws in the animation and in the effects. If we just do it dark enough, 
you know, you can get by with doing half of the animation and people won't notice because it's popping up in a lot of Disney movies. And Disney, if this were a true animated movie, would never have any sequence at nighttime like this. And if they did, they'd find a way to make it bright, like you see the moonlight or something. But this is just complete darkness. And that's my new theory. And I'm going to be interested going forward to see some of these other ones and see how much takes place at night and if the budgets cor- correspond with <laughs> the nighttime scenes that really show you nothing. Um, but after this, I think it's actually after this where the dad gets beaten up. Uh, cause I made the note here, uh, along with the songs and all the sequences being dragged out that we get Kevin Klein trying to lead the way where he's like, it's that way. Nope. Nope. That way. <laughs> nope. Hold on a second. It's that way. And two hour running time achieved, uh, all in one scene. <laughs> This is just it's it's it, I play it as a joke, but this is a real complaint I have again without saying this is a bad movie because it's not. The story's decent, it's executed okay. But if you're going to make a direct remake, add some new scenes in there, add a subplot. Don't just stretch the movie out by having a character repeat themselves over and over again and add 16 verses to every song. Like they had plenty of opportunities here where they could have thrown in something new. You know, give a subplot to uh, I don't know, the, the clock. Uh, <laughs> um, give uh, something to the Beast, like more backstory. Like I think there's something here with Belle's mother they give, but anything they do add to this movie, like Gaston leaving the father for dead, if Jamie's right and that never happened, it's really not even a big part of the movie. And I feel like you could have just gone a lot further by trimming some of the the repetitiveness from these scenes and just adding something new. Um, the Beast obviously saved Belle, so we have a, a very long montage of uh, her nursing him back to health, I guess, and them starting to fall for each other, which it does not come across convincing at all. And I know that the animated movie did this much better because it's not something where I felt like I ever doubted. As a kid, when I watched as an adult, anything, there wasn't really any point where I ever doubted, oh, this makes sense that he's slowly starting to turn as a character. It's just there's no transition in this movie, and yet they're doing it almost scene for scene, which is really confusing. Um, there's the uh, um, what else? Do we have? Let's stop there. Anything you want to add on these sequences? No, I mean, yeah, be my guess is definitely a song. Obviously, I knew. Um, and why does Bell just fall into this so quickly? Like, if I'm finding a castle where a I'm being kidnapped by a giant beast looking creature. And then all of a sudden there's like freaking furniture and candlesticks talking. I'm fucking freaked out. And like, she's just <laughs> like, is this, this, Oh, this, hello. <laughs> this is all of a sudden where like, she should be ridiculed in the community. Like, oh, there goes crazy bell talking to the furniture again. Um, I yes. mean, th- th- there's legitimately an actual condition, like an actual fetish where people do fall in love with inanimate objects. There was a whole documentary made on it. Um, like somebody thought they had married the Golden Gate Bridge and like there's, you know, people were in love with their car and things like it's an actual condition. I can't remember what it's called. So <laughs> again, the darkness of this film, Belle's just going around talking. to And like, you know how people have these theories about, you know, movies like Greece, you know, Sandy was dead and the whole thing yeah. was, you know, like, can I just point out like Belle was knocked out on the forest and she is dreaming this whole thing and she's got like weird... <laughs> brain injury or something that just sees her talking to furniture. And I want to see this through the eyes of like her dad who comes to see her in the hospital and there's a doctor going like, 
Yes, unfortunately, there she is. She's she's talking to a candlestick again. And you just see, like, Belle talking to a candlestick. Like, going, oh, be my guest, be my guest. It's like, oh, gee, if only she'll be, we'll get her on some more medication soon. <laughs> like, it's kind And of- to make it worse, her weird, creepy fetish for grizzly bears is back. Yes, because, again, there's another <laughs> weird thing that I've just got to point out here that Stockholm Syndrome, check. Bestiality, <laughs> check. Literally, she's falling in love with a beast. Like, when he turns into a handsome prince, I want to see the sequel. Where, like, she jokes at the end where she's like, oh, you should grow a beard. <laughs> like, she legitimately is turned on by the fact that he's a big, hairy beast. Like, she's... With horns. With horns. She's going out into the forest, finding those wolves after this movie, going, oh, come over here, Wolfie. <laughs> I dropped my book. He... Like, he's an older man. Yeah. When he eventually dies, does she not have a type? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, there's just so many things you can read into this. And I'm guessing Emma Watson can't sing because they auto-tune the shit out of her when she sings in this <laughs> film. Um, and look, there's nothing wrong all the time with auto-tune. Auto-tune can be used for the good. But, I mean, usually in a film like this, when there's going to be singing, surely there's got to be more to it than just, oh, let's cast Emma Watson because, you know, she's big, she's famous, she's attractive and all this sort of stuff. Like, you got to tick off the singing. You know, I mean, Russell Crowe was... I've never seen Lame Is, but he couldn't sing in that, could he? He got a lot of flack for it. He had yeah. that band, whatever. But he's Russell Crowe because he's young, attractive. <laughs> um, I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is, is that, cool, she's falling in love with the bees and she's talking to candlesticks and apparently this is all okay. Um, I'm just going to kind of group in pretty much everything else here uh, and we could talk about whatever, I don't know, floats your boat. Uh, but... <laughs> From this point on, the dad eventually made his way back, and he confronts Gaston in this bar. Um, and he's basically turning everybody on and saying, Gaston left me for dead. And then he's like, no, that's not true at all. In fact, this old man is crazy, and let's have him locked up. And they all follow Gaston. <clears throat> I, I really just wish that there had been something a little more comical about the Gaston character here. Because I think they nailed it with Josh Gad. And I'm going to come up with this complaint, too, uh, what I was saying about the animated characters. It's not just the animation it's the way they're handled uh and it's the way that gaston's handled here like go all out make him and josh gad kind of this funny duo uh give him some personality for these sequences because i don't feel like him as a villain really translates well as at all either and the ending kind of comes across just a little bit too harsh for what we've seen because i feel like this is what we said last week with maleficent uh that the ending that Charlotte Copley's character gets is way too hard for a guy who really didn't do anything wrong. And I don't feel like Gaston has either done anything to deserve death here uh, or even be memorable as a villain. Uh, other than getting the dad locked up, which is just self-preservation. I mean, we would all do that. Uh, <laughs> during this whole love montage thing here, um, we get uh, the magic book trip to Paris. Uh, we get a little bit of backstory with Belle's mom, which I don't remember from the animation. I, it could have been in there. I don't quite understand what this backstory is. Like, she died when she was a baby or something. Um, we get uh, the the magic mirror and everything where he's like, you know, if you really want anything, I'll show you your father. Which, of course, came, we should mention, after the Beauty and the Beast song. And I do feel like this is slightly pulled off okay. Like, the vocals are good. It's not – it's a little too operatic, I, I feel. Um, but the song is iconic, and they have her wearing the same dress, which – looks good in live action and his wardrobe looked good and i think this is 
the way that people completely geeked out when the force awakens came out for seeing all the things that they already saw you know 30 40 years earlier mm-hmm. like the millennium falcon flying through a trench or you know any type of x-wing flying through a trench and things like that that's what a lot of you know people loved when they saw this oh they actually are live action looking at bell's dress and animation looking at the beast although the animation is meant to look live action which we're going to see a lot of when the lion king comes out this basically is just an animated movie with a few people in the background Hmm. Um, but still i think that song still translates well um i think that the love story is okay here it's getting a bit better um but when she shows in the mirror and sees her dad getting beaten up and she just sort of runs away this is where the movie actually just it goes by a little bit too quick now, I say that, but uh, I, I will confess to something here, okay? This is confession time. Probably around the point that the dad was beaten up, um, knowing that I had seen this movie before, I don't know, almost 30 years ago, several times, I started to get impatient with just watching two hours of this. So I did start to play the video on one and a half speed. I'm going to admit <laughs> it. <laughs> so that's no lie i finished the movie on one and a half speed (laughs) to get through it quicker so when i do say that i feel like everything from this point on goes a bit too quickly maybe it did or maybe it was just me i'll just be honest but (laughs) 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 can we just ask everybody just to finish this quicker Play this episode on one and a half speed. I do that sometimes when I'm trying to get through podcasts quicker. All right, all right. For now, um, for now on, we're going to start speaking like yeah. this so we sound normal. <laughs> but I've only got 40 minutes of battery left in my laptop, so we're not going to do that. And the Leafs are playing. The Leafs are playing. Quick, hurry up. The Leafs are playing. The Leafs are probably already knocked out of the playoffs by the time this episode airs. I yeah. look like a fool. In game one, they're that bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're losing 50 nil. All right, mercy rule. <laughs> but you can give me your take on this because, like, she sees the magic mirror and is like, oh, I need to go. Okay, you can go. Have it draw out a bit. Like, have her be like, I'm sorry. I really wish I didn't have to leave you, but my father needs me. And he's like, oh, I'm afraid for your safety, but if I go, they'll kill me. They've dragged everything else out in this movie so much. This is some drama finally, or I feel like if you're going to drag out the running time, do it here because I even looked at where we were and there's like only half an hour left of the movie here and this is the last act so you've wasted three quarters of the movie on what's maybe half of the story uh, but when she goes yeah. go ahead because i actually want your opinion it's well it's wow it's the first time you've ever said that to me we're growing as a pair <laughs> um i regret <laughs> immediately <laughs> i regret nothing um <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's, it, and this is another thing too that it just it comes across really quickly, and it's it's one of these movies where it's you automatically go into this knowing it's a love story, like oh Beauty and yeah. the Beast, like these two are gonna fall in love, like it's one of these ones you know. And back to your thing about women under the age of forty, that it's targeted at them because for the most part, women love love stories. That's kind of their target, and it's just like men like things blowing up. Yes, of course, either side of gen- genders, you like different things of that, but that's the norm, and. In no way do I feel this whole love story is even worthy of it being love because it's they literally fall in love over one dinner, a dance. Oh, I rescued you. Oh, you're a bit naked with your hairy chest because you got bitten by some wolves, which he heals very quickly from, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, my dad's been kidnapped. Okay, see you, bye. 
Um, it's like, I criticize Casino Royale for that being, like, that's brilliant love story compared to this. Um, just other things where it comes down to it, because it's just, it's it's implied. This is automatically going to be a love story. Even though I know you don't like Titanic, you go into that knowing there's going to be a love story. But I mean, that's a great love story. But it's just, it's one of these ones where it says love story for love story's sake. And no matter what happens, you know, they're going to ultimately end up together. It's going to be happy ending because it's a Disney movie. So let's just make it so rushed and no inclination that these two are going to be in love anyway. So it's just, it's, it's quick and cool. And this all then leads to just paranoia in the town because, oh no, there's a beast in a castle. Let's go kill him. You have a gay person in your village in 1800s France. You should be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but going back to what Colin was saying, in this day and age, that was lynch mob worthy. Like that was what it was. You have talking. Interracial couple. Yes. You flash forward to the 1960s and you're getting, you know, Destroyed by a mob. Exactly. And this is just what it was in history. But no, oh, there's a beast. Like, you should be fascinated by this. Like, how do you, like, wow. Like, this is kind of fascinating. A talking candlestick. And he's wearing pants, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Um, last little bits here, I guess, is Bell gets kind of locked up, too, as they all go to destroy the beast. Kill the beast. Kill the beast. The beast actually sings a song, which I forgot was in the movie. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't. Uh, Isn't it just this the one? Good. Oh, is this not the one they created? It's a, the Gaston one later. Or is this the one they created to try and the the new song? There's one new song in this movie. To try to get an Oscar nomination. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be I think there's song. one at the end, of, like, the end credits that Celine Dion does. That might be it. Ah, oh, Celine but Dion. But yeah, there is a, a, a Beast song here um, after I'm Bell leaves that I think I'm is pretty good. I'm a beast. I like <laughs> yummy beast. Made from real gorilla chest. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of bread uh, to make with yeast. So the the servants all barricade the door as they're coming. And again, I felt like this happened way too quickly. Um, And this big fight, this is going to be a complaint. I actually like this, but it was all wrong at this point in the movie. When they barricade the door and then everybody comes in and then Josh Gad comes up with this, like, you must be the talking teapot. You must be his grandson or her grandson or something like that. And basically implies his grandmother and they just attack. (laughs) It's a funny bit. But it is actually the first bit of real cartoony comedy we've had in this movie. And then this whole sequence, which is quite fun on its own, of all the the clocks and the brooms and and the teacups fighting these people, does not belong in this movie in any way whatsoever. The only action we've seen is done very dark, even just in terms of dark as in kind of depressing, uh, with like the wolf attacks and the the beast and scary – uh, and even these teacups and everything, they've been made to look too realistic. And the way they're presented as characters has not been cartoony in any way. And suddenly you have this big fight scene where it's goofy. You've got – I don't even know what it's supposed to be, the, the wardrobe or something that you know uh, swallows these guys and spits them out as drag queens. <laughs> and all this stuff would be really fun if you had had any other moments prior to this that showed that cartoony side. But especially here, which we're now – what not even 10 minutes away from the climax of the movie that features the main character the beast dying it's just it was the wrong tone for the movie 100 percent. and after this you get a fight scene between gaston and the beast um i feel like it's a little too harsh in a live action movie to actually see you know this fight scene where somebody dies and uh there's no redemption for gaston as a villain or anything um bell comes to his rescue after he dies 
And the beast comes back to life because of true love's kiss or whatever it is uh, held over from Maleficent or <laughs> Maleficent done right or something like that. And when he comes back to life, as we said, he's a nice looking young man and suddenly she loves him even more. Uh, this also just to me felt like maybe because it was played on one and a half speed, like this should have been dragged out a little bit more. Because I honestly believe that this whole – from the moment the beast falls and dies and then you have Bell coming to mourn him and then you have Bell bringing him back to life without realizing it. Then you have him coming back to life, transforming into a human, uh, the big dance at the end with the Beauty and the Beast song playing again, all the other characters transformed. I guarantee if you check the running time from the beast falling until the end of the movie – it is less screen time than the entire opening song about Belle in the village. <laughs> like, I 100% believe that's true. And this is the one part of the movie that you could have dragged out a little bit further. You know, and, and I like seeing everybody come to life, partly because I forgot some of these actors were in the movie. And I didn't realize we'd actually get to see their real faces. So it's kind of cool for that. But it's just the ending just it doesn't have the impact the animated does. And even though I forgot a lot about the animated movie, as I was watching this, I kept being like, oh, yeah, I know this part coming up. And I love the animated version. I, I kept thinking to myself, like, this part's going to be great. And then it's like, oh, that was just sort of OK. Like, as not a fan, you can't really comment on that or not somebody who may, really remembers it. But it's just overall, I think that's the biggest flaw of this movie is there, there's something just <clears throat> just kind of <clears throat> very choked us. up on my feelings. <clears throat> um, there's just something that, that's really – uh, it's just off and, and it has no impact. And I, I wish I could put my finger on what it is. Cause it's nothing so obvious as what's wa- wrong with Maleficent. It's just something that just doesn't quite click. It's because you and I have penises and that's what's not clicking with us. It's like, we just, it, women just get it. It's like, Oh, it's, Colin, come on. I, mean, I don't want it. To click. <laughs> what your penis. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to go to a doctor. <laughs> That's how Jamie got pregnant, isn't it? Just clicked. <laughs> What's that weird clicking sound? <laughs> oh my god, Colin, we're having twins. <laughs> That's how we got the twins. It was the click. Do you ever think your children are going to listen back to your podcast one day? Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> Daddy, why were you talking about your penis clicking? Uh, <laughs> who's that strange man you used to do them with? I'm glad you got rid of him. <laughs> I'm glad he's in jail. Um. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we speak the truth on this show. Um, yeah, and Disney has a a hard on for killing their characters falling off things. Like, is this just like mm. Disney trope? Like Maleficent. Yeah. Uh, this movie. It's the ending, isn't it? The Lion King. Uh, <laughs> like, let's kill a major <laughs> character falling off a cliff. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to add. I mean, yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about the rose thing. Like, that's just dumb. What if you bump the rose as you're walking past it? <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, we're all dead. <laughs> and and do these, like, the the Gaston, not Gaston, um, what are they called? The candles, Ewan McGregor, all that. Do they, when they, like, turn back into people, do they just have, like, mental you know, flashbacks to being a candlestick. Let's also bring up, they haven't aged. Yeah. Like, the teacup is still a little boy. Yeah. Well, and how long have they been this way for? Yeah. Uh, I don't don't understand it. Um, Yeah. um, (laughs) I don't really... I'm kind of the same as you. Like, I think kind of there is something about this film where you just kind of like, yeah, you just can't put your finger on it. But, um, 
I mean, this movie made over a billion dollars. Like, Jesus oh, Christ. Geez. Why? <laughs> like, why? I mean, can we just go back and... I, here's an idea for how we can make our podcast get more listens. Let's just go, like, create a big thing and be like, hey, guess what, everyone? We're covering Survivor again. It's going to be great. Just go get all the old Survivor Oz episodes and just put our Oz Network introduction at the beginning and the end and just claim that they're new episodes. Uh, I reckon we would all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, we've got Brian Hardick on the show. Brand new interview. <laughs> and, like, people would be like, this kind of sounds like it was the old one, but who cares? I want to listen to it so much more. Greg Buis is back on the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> download, download, download. That's how we can do it. It works for Disney, so why can't we do it? I bet you we could even get Luke Evans to replace Noah in yeah. Lost episodes. <laughs> well, that's probably not that hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have nothing else to add. He's and okay. I should know I do have something else to add. When he turns into the the when he's not the beast anymore, he's not that attractive. Like he looks weird looking. He's more attractive okay. as the beast. Like I would take Luke Evans over him. I'd probably take Josh Gad over him, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'd definitely take Kevin Klein. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't? You gonna anyone with a pulse <laughs> would take Kevin Klein. Come on. Guys, an Oscar. Um especially Tom Selleck. Yeah. We saw how that story ended. Oh, Tom Selleck. There's another man. That's a man. There's a man. <laughs> There's a man. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm having trouble loading some of the things here, so I'm going to ask for your assistance to at least get the plot <laughs> keywords ready until oh, right. yes. I can get there. But this movie, uh, let's go through the box office first. You mentioned it made like a billion dollars, $1.2 billion worldwide. Uh, so opening weekend for this movie was insane, and I think – Cinderella and the Jungle Book both did over a hundred million dollars. You know, Maleficent did like seventy million. Uh, you know, we've obviously seen Dumbo didn't live up to that. At the time of recording this, I doubt that Aladdin's going to. I feel like Lion King. There's, it's not going to reach Beauty and the Beast levels. But at the point they're at now, I think these Disney live actions, the bar's been set so high, and they're throwing so much money on this outside of their animated movies that. They need something to open over a hundred million between Aladdin, if it's already happened, maybe, or Lion King, because like this movie opens a hundred and seventy-five million dollars in its opening weekend. At the time, that was probably like, I don't know, I guess fourth maybe behind only the two Avengers movies and The Force Awakens. Um, but its opening weekend, it was number one, obviously. Uh, the only other movie that opened that weekend was The Belko Experiment, which I've never heard of that was 7th place. Uh, this beat out Kong Skull Island, a really good movie that I'd love to cover if we ever had time. Maybe when Godzilla vs. King Kong comes out, we could do that whole universe. Uh, Logan was in his third weekend, uh, $17 million. Uh, Get Out in its fourth weekend uh, was number four, and then The Shack was number five. Oh, so the movie goes on to make... Oh, that would that would, you know, that would be my Beauty and the Beast. Okay, Kazam, that brings the, the Kilo Neal story. <laughs> but like you, if you, you think about those things from your childhood, you're like, you know what? Take my money. You put Shaq on the big screen again. <laughs> um, critically, uh, this thing, I, I, I don't think feel like we always have to do this, but I feel like in some of these we want to split it up because this has 71 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. It's not great. It's kind of where Captain Marvel is right now, which got average reviews. But on Metacritic, I think this only has like a 65 or something like that. And I think the difference is Rotten Tomatoes just boils it down to, did you give it a positive review or a negative review? And this one got mostly positive reviews. But if you look at, say, something like Metacritic, most of those positive reviews were only slightly on the side of positive. 
which again, very similar to like Captain Marvel now. So kind of going along with what we're saying, nothing wrong with this movie. It's just it's not quite there. Although it did get some great reviews. I'll read uh, Richard Roper here, yeah. um, who oh, I already lost his place, but he gave it four stars if I could find it again. Uh, he had some line about chocolate in here. Uh, <laughs> where are you, Richard Roper? Um, there we go. Uh, gave it four to five stars. And um, uh, there's another line here, the Washington Post uh, loved Watson's performance. because I think she's just okay in here. But said her singing ability was serviceable enough to get the job done. Eh. Kind of fair. That's what you're saying. Uh, Auto-tune was serviceable enough to get the job done. Uh, and there was one negative view here that, uh, not even totally negative view, but I, again, just perfectly echoes it. Uh, just comparing it to the original said that it feels particularly egregious in part because of it's so lavishly devoted to the original. Every time it falls short of its predecessor, which is quite often, it's hard not to notice. Uh, so overall, I guess critical reaction was, oh, it's great, but I don't think anybody said this was better because the animated movie was the first animated movie to ever get nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and that wouldn't be done again till I don't oh, remember sorry, which one came sorry. first. I think, well, I think I don't remember was Up first. They both got nominated Up and uh, Toy, Toy Story no, Three. Toy Story Three was first. Okay, so Toy Story Three and then Up both got nominated after that. Um, but I mean, that's a long time to wait and that just shows how good and how acclaimed Beauty and the Beast was when it did come out. Um, plot keywords. Do you have them up there? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's just your usual bare chested male month. That's Jamie. There's, um, uh, painting. Yeah. There's, there's not brilliant ones here. There's man with ponytail. Oh, <laughs> Read me that one. <laughs> Man with a Ponytail Month coming soon featuring Aquaman, uh, Deadpool <laughs> 2, Beauty and the Beast, and Iron Man 3. Um, that'd be pretty, you know. Eh. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Single Parent Month? <laughs> single Parent? Oh, the tea, teapot. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, the dad is also kind of a single parent. Aquaman again, Beauty and the Beast, It, and Justice League. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh. Please tell me there is a Josh Gad fondles Luke Evans earlobes month. <laughs> Sadly not. Oh, there's grandmother grandson relationship month. Oh, that sounds a bit kinky. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, followed by Hereditary, Two and a Half Men, and Crazy Rich Asians. Um, Can in- you see? We, we had this last week and I didn't bring it up, and we've had other movies. I often see one of the top ones is Heroin Month. As in, like a he- female hero, and I keep expecting to see train spotting on there. Yeah. And <laughs> I know they spell it guy. differently, but just make it just a, yeah, let's let's do heroin versus heroin month, <laughs> and we'll do Beauty and the Beast versus train spotting. He- heroin takes heroin month. Um, inanimate object yeah. comes to life month. Um, <laughs> let's see here, uh, Sarah Jessica Park. Oh wait, Sarah, no, I'm reading the wrong one. Beauty and the Beast, it, Doctor <laughs> Strange, and Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't know if that was a joke or just a mistake, but it perfectly fits Sarah Jessica Parker. It was meant to be a joke, but I'm glad you thought it was a mistake. Um, (laughs) Physical beauty as theme month. Um, (laughs) Beauty and the Beast, followed by Beauty and the Beast and Shallow Howl and the 1955 classic film called Marty, followed by another version of Beauty and the Beast from 1946. Um, and let's see, shall I, one more here, um, four word title month, here we go, alright, <laughs> um, 
A Star is Born, that's four words. Beauty and the Beast, that's four words. Guardians of the Galaxy, that's four uh, words. Four words. And yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron, that's four. <laughs> yep, okay. I see what they do there. Right. I think we've got a lot of those covered already. Yep. Uh, well, let's just get on with it. Are we going to buy it, rent it, or bin it? What are you going to say? Uh, well, I'm not buying it. Um... But I don't think it's been worthy. Like, I feel like I've been very negative against this film. But, I mean, it's not one that I hated. It, I, You know, I, it'd be a very low rent. I'm not going to rush out and see this movie again. Um, you know, I feel like I've seen it now. That's it. Uh, so, I just, again, it just comes down to the fact I don't see the point of this movie. It, I just don't see why this is a movie, except for Disney to make another billion dollars. Like, you've got Star Wars. You've got Marvel. Like, Jesus Christ, stop being so greedy, Disney. We'd all do it if we. Does were it there. make you worried, especially because I thought it was the opposite way, where Jungle Book came second? Does it make you worried that this is sort of the most recent big hit? I mean, you know, I haven't seen Dumbo, uh, and obviously that's one they would have to change a lot. And based on the trailers, they did. But Aladdin and Lion King, are oh. we especially with Lion King? Are they just going to, because of the success of this, just make Lion King exactly the same as the original? I Look, at the time of recording this to date this, the, the full trailer, I think, of Lion Well, another trailer for Lion King yeah. came out this week. And I saw so many people sharing it going like, oh, chills, oh, this looks brilliant. I thought it looked terrible. I thought it looked yeah. terrible. And I am just so dreading The Lion King because this is the one Disney film I love. I, I I just loved Lion King so much as a kid, and it just looks horrible. Like, I liked Aladdin, and Aladdin, I think, can work as a live-action film more so than any other Disney movie, I think, because Aladdin is a story, and it's kind of like Mulan. I think Mulan's going to be a great, like, live-action take. Like, these are films that I think work as live-action, but... Yeah, I'm just... I'm not looking forward to The Lion King at all. And particularly that last bit of the trailer where you've got Timon and Pumbaa doing the... Wim, wim, wim. It just it looks terrible. So, yeah, I'm not and looking not forward to The Lion King. And it's not live action! It's not, exactly! It's these creepy-looking lions that are trying to look real but are still animated. It's kind of like Detective Pikachu. Like, I grew up on Pokemon. I love Pokemon. I don't think of... Pikachu being furry and talking like Ryan Reynolds. And it's like Sonic. I love Sonic. I grew up on Sonic, but Sonic looks weird as real life. So it's kind of like I don't want to see things and ruin my childhood. Uh, well, we'll be back to ruin more of your childhood next week or maybe save it. What are you doing with this sad. one? You didn't give me a, a review. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm so, t- <laughs> I'm so torn on this because – when I didn't see the movie, I expected to not hate it because I'm like, well, as, as long as it's – even if it is exactly the same as the animated, the animated's good, so it can't be that bad. But I just – I find so many problems with them doing so little. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be fair and say if you've never watched the animated movie, I think this is rentable, but it's not like a strong rent. Uh, if you've seen the animated movie, this is so completely pointless uh, and doesn't bring anything new to it that I I would almost lean towards this is a potential bin-worthy movie just because of how pointless it is and how little it brought to the table. But if you maybe even aren't 100% familiar with the animated movie, uh, you could probably get some enjoyment out of it. It's, just, it's not an effective rent even if it is a rent. But I will, just for argument's sake, I will say I'll rent this kind of like you, a low rent. Yep. No, I, I've locked that in. We've both rented it. And next week, uh, we get to the one good one, which sadly I won't be here for. 
Um, I'm sure I'll rewatch it and give you a rating to go along with it or something, but uh, it's the Jungle Book. You haven't seen this at all, have you? No, I mean, just the the pattern here, as you will see me say every week, is that I just have no desire to see these films. <laughs> um, so, no, I haven't, but I, I have heard good things about this, and from what I have seen clips of um maybe in the same vein as what i was just saying with aladdin mulan this is kind of one of those ones where i think like you can like it makes sense to make it into a live action one because this is obviously um literature that isn't based this isn't disney disney have taken a famous piece of literature and turned it into a disney movie um and i think i i I think i did see they made a 90s live action jungle book did they not from memory so i think i'm it, sort of. It should also be noted. I mean, just like Beauty and the Beast, uh, it's based on a novel, and Disney just happened to make a version, and there have been many versions. And the Jungle Book, along with that, I, I think the, the '90s one really was more based on the original novel, kind of like how Andy Serkis had that version that just came out that was more based on the original novel. Uh, whereas this was Disney updating their animated one but yet making it more like the original novel so maybe that's the reason i kind of like this one because it wasn't just trying to be a live action version of an animated movie it sort of felt like this exciting action movie to me something that i i feel like i probably would have gotten a bigger kick out of when i was younger but it still was enjoyable enough and it is cool the way they fit little things uh little nods to the animated movie in here like the way they work the bare necessities into it, as opposed to the way that this movie just does the entire animated movie in partial live action. And is this going to be the first time we've ever done a movie with Bill Murray in it? I like Bill Murray. He's one of my favorite actors. So, yeah. Oh, I would love to get to well, Ghostbusters, obviously, but even if we got to something like Kingpin, that would be great. I um, uh, Groundhog Day would be my choice. Uh, oh, yeah. For Bill Murray. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so... I'm, I'm look. I'm probably out of all of them, besides the Lion King, for obvious reasons, and that's obviously not live action yet. But uh, probably the, out of all the the three live action ones that we've decided to do, this would be the one that I was like, yeah, okay, I, I actually look forward to seeing that one because I've I've heard it's good. So yeah, and Mallory and I will be doing this. So this will be the first time I think since I Tonya that we've had uh, Mallory on a full. Uh, Oz Network episode, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, she was on one of the Avengers ones, wasn't she? Ah. White Christmas. Oh, that's right. White Christmas, of course. <laughs> that beloved Christmas movie. And Grease. And, yeah, I remember all the episodes that Mallory was on. Go me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we will be back next week for that. And then once Disney Live Action wraps up, we're going to, I think, jump right into Terminator, aren't we? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> we there finally... we go. Some good stuff. I mean, there'll be a bit of a break, I think, like a couple of months. But um, I think after we've gotten rid of this crap, it's just all brilliant. Yeah. Terminator to Star Wars. Like, oh, my God. Colin and I are just going to be hard for the next six months. <laughs> and clicking. Yes. Uh, we'll be doing both. <laughs> More twins are coming. So... <laughs> So make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, wherever else you can get your podcasts. If you don't download our episodes, then listen to them. Um, Do one or the other. Uh, They both count. (laughs) Review us if you feel like doing it or telling us how we're all wrong on Beating the Beast, but we don't expect that. Uh, My name is Colin, and I'm going to my happy place. Guns, explosions, countless widows. And my name is Ben, and do not be alarmed. I'm just your wardrobe. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.